Continuing with our 2022 Summer of Alternative Financing, today we're going to be talking about inventory and how you can use inventory of a business you're buying in order to raise money for a down payment. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. So once again, if you're just joining us, uh, we've created a playlist for this mini series that's been running through the summer of 2022, and we'll put a link to it floating around somewhere up here. Um, this series was inspired by a tweet that I put out back in the spring where I asked people what kind of videos they, they wanted me to make. Um, with the school break, my kids end up spending a lot more time here at the house, and it's harder for me to take the time quietly to make videos. So what I've learned you know, years ago is that it makes sense for me to try to record a bunch of videos for the summer in advance. And so Neil responded to that tweet. And if you want to find me on Twitter, my handle is dbarnettmoncton. Just look for David Barnett Small Business and you'll find me. Uh, and Neil suggested I do a video about alternative financing. And I've expanded that into a whole series uh, because really there's all kinds of th ways that we can, you know, look at alternative ways to finance a business. Um, and what we're talking about, of course, is alternative to the bank. At one time, um, these were just things that people did to try to finance a business's activities or, or acquisition. And it really is only uh, sort of in the modern period where banks have been making loans for people to do these business deals. And so a lot of this is taking a look back at what people used to do before. And a lot of that has to do with looking at what is in the business and figuring out how you can change that um, going forward under your own ownership and in those changes generate cash. So today we're gonna to be talking about inventory. And so when you buy a business, usually there's a certain amount of inventory included. And sometimes when you buy a business, there might be some excess inventory or some older inventory or stale inventory, stuff that you may not be able to you know, reasonably sell but the seller still hangs on to it out of the hope, dream, or, or realization that when the right customer comes through the door, um, someone will want to buy this stuff and maybe they'll be willing to pay a, a high price for it. And so it still holds some value, although it's, it's difficult to quantify that. A lot of the times when you're buying a business and you have that kind of older inventory, you don't pay um, the actual wholesale price of that inventory you negotiate some kind of write down, some kind of markdown. You say, well, that stuff's pretty old. If you want me to take that, I'm only willing to take it at half of what you paid for it or something of that nature. So the seller is going to face a write down or write off on a portion of that inventory and you're going to get your hands on it. Now, how can we use this to help us raise a down payment to buy a business? And so again, if you want to go back to video number one of the mini series, there's the down payment you pay on closing day, and there's a common strategy called a deferred down payment when you're doing these alternative deals, where you'll offer the seller a certain down payment on closing day, and then maybe maybe four, six, eight months, nine months later, there's another lump sum, a deferred down payment that you provide. If you get into one of these businesses that has a lot of this older inventory, one of the things you can do is you can 
offer the deferred down payment, then liquidate those old inventories to raise the cash to make the deferred down payment. And I did this firsthand. Uh, and if you want to hear the story of it, it is David buys a business and puts a manager in charge. We'll put a link to the video right here. And it's the story of when my ex and I bought a trophy shop, trophy and engraving shop together. And she ran the business and it came with a bunch of this old inventory. And she's very, very good at sales. And so she was, she figured out a strategy to be able to get rid of some of this old inventory, some of, it's, of which was acquired for free, really, um, and turn it into um, cash. And that was used to make a deferred down payment. So, um, so let's talk about this because there's a couple things we need to figure out. Number one, what is the normal level of inventory that the business needs? And that's going to be important in your transaction to figure out what you pay for the business, right? Uh, and in an asset sale, um, you're usually agreeing to a certain price with a certain amount of inventory included. And depending on the fungibility of that inventory, meaning how if it'll go bad or if it's you know something specific to a season or sizes, you know things like that. Depending on the fungibility, we can often borrow against part of it. And this is all part of the net normal position of working capital that I've made other videos about. We're not going to talk about it here. But you're going to buy the business based on having a certain amount of inventory included in that initial purchase price. So if you buy the business and you get some of this excess inventory that you may or may not be paying for, you can certainly liquidate that. But is there further a way to change the level of inventory required in the business, right? Because if the business seller tells you they normally need a quarter million dollars of inventory, but you figure out a way to run the business with $100,000 of inventory, then that means you can further liquidate or reduce down inventory levels of stuff you just bought and raise cash and do something with it. So how can you change the amount of inventory required? Well, it's going to take some examination into what the purchasing behavior is of the business that you're going to buy. Many times, small business owners approach their business with what I call a homeowner mentality. And so what they're trying to do is maximize their net income by reducing their costs as much as possible. And that is not always the smart way to approach business. It's certainly not how Walmart or any other big company does. What those people do is they try to maximize the return on their equity. So they're trying to make the most profit while having the least amount invested. And that sometimes leads to different decision making. So there was a video I produced back in the spring and it was, should I go directly to the source? And the, the question was being asked by a grocery store owner who wanted to know if he should import his own things from overseas. And we talked about the tie up of investment in that inventory. That's what we're talking about again here with this. So if you're looking at buying a business and they've gone looking further and further and further afield for cheaper and cheaper and cheaper prices, well, they might be buying something that they're selling directly from a foreign country and they might be buying it by the container load in order to get the lowest price. And so then the question is, well, what would I have to pay for that if I bought it more locally and I didn't have to tie up a huge amount of money in all that inventory. And since the problems with supply chain, everything to do with the Rona have crept in, I'm seeing more and more businesses making this change on their own. And so right here in town where I live, there's a machine shop and I've been told the story 
anecdotally from somebody who does work with them, that they're selling more and more products at double the price to local companies who are realizing it makes more sense to buy locally than to buy entire container loads from China. And so what's happening on those for those companies, number one, they're paying a higher price for the item, which means their profitability is going down, but they're not having to commit this huge amount of cash to buying a whole container load of things that might take them a year or two to consume. And so when you look at one of these businesses, ask yourself, is there a way for me to reduce these inventories? There's a couple of ways you could do that. Number one, you can source more locally, right? So now you're not buying the big amounts from overseas. You're buying locally. You're paying a higher price. What if there is no distributor that is able to sell that thing to you? Well, maybe you can convince someone to be your distributor. This happens all the time. So in the world of food, for example, a franchisor who's trying to roll out their units around the country, what they will, they have a certain menu that, you know, the, each franchise has to offer. And so one of the things that the franchisor has to ensure is that the local franchisee is able to buy the stuff required to produce the items that are on the menu, right? So what does the franchisor do? They go and they sign up food distribution companies and they say, we'd like you to stock these items so our franchisees can order them from you. As an individual company, you can do the same thing. You can approach different distributors in your industry and say, hey, we use this and we've been buying it from overseas directly, but we're looking for a more local source. Would you consider carrying it for us? And you can actually get distributors or wholesalers in your industry to take on lines, especially if they think that there's other people in your region or state or province or around the country that are going to be ordering it from them as well, that have the same kind of situation that you have. And so you can basically find somebody to stand in the middle in order to reduce the amount of inventory you have to have. So you buy the business with the big inventory, find some other source of buying that, even if it's at a higher price. And then you convert that inventory. You, you basically sell down what you've already got in stock, but now you're not replacing it with the big investment. You basically turn inventory into cash. And you can use that for a deferred down payment or expansion or any other purpose that you have. Now, if you can't find someone to be the distributor or the wholesaler, there is another opportunity that you can take advantage of. It's called trade financing goes by a few other different names, but basically you can find another partner who's willing to float that inventory for you and sell it over to you over the course of time. I touch upon it in my 2014 book called Invest Local. If, uh, if you're a person that's involved in business or investing, you should read Invest Local. People still buy this every week. Um, it's filled with great ideas about a third of the, and it's, it's for investors who want to figure out how to make a good return on their money through investing in local small businesses. But about a third of the emails I get about this book are from business owners applying the methods to try to get people to invest in their business. So how does trade finance work? Well, if I know I'm using a thousand widgets a year and a container load is a thousand widgets, but it's a big investment, what I can do is I can find some other trade finance company or an individual investor even to be the person who buys the thousand widgets from China. 
They then come over and instead of being delivered to your place of business, they go into what's called a public warehouse. Public warehouses offer inventory control and counting services. So the investor knows that the inventory is sitting in the warehouse. Every time you want more of them, you buy them from the investor. And then the investor tells the warehouse that they can release another 15 units to you. And the warehouseman will control that inventory and release the 15 units out to you. So you're, yes, you're adding to the costs. So who's going to pay for the warehouse storage? Well, it's probably going to be you. Um, what kind of uh, you know increased cost is going to be borne by you for the investor? Well, this is the more interesting thing because instead of looking at it as a retail or markup, the investor is probably going to look at it from the point of view of return on investment from making almost like a loan, except they're not making a loan, they're they're buying stuff. So their, their investment is 100% collateralized all the time. They own the goods that are in the public warehouse and you can only get them by buying them from the investor. And so that person, instead of looking at it as a wholesale markup where they might want 20 or 30% markup on these goods, they're going to be more inclined to look at it from an investment point of view, and they might be satisfied with a 9, 10, 12% rate of return over the course of the year as you buy those things from them, right? And so this is an opportunity, especially if you've got a lot of inventory in a business and, and stuff moving through, to take a look at it and say, do we really need this level of inventory? Is there a way for me to do this more cheaply? And what this is also going to mean, and this is the downside. So here's the danger with these strategies. It means your cost of goods is going to go up. And with your cost of goods going up, it means the profitability of the business you're buying is going to be going down. And so it's not going to perform as well as it does for the seller. But if less money is required to be invested, the return on your equity could in fact be greater. That's the lesson we can take from big companies like Walmart. Sometimes it makes sense to pay more for goods if it means that you can get other people to carry the burden of the investment and it enhances the return on your equity in the business. And at the end of the day, if you can get a higher rate of return on your equity, it means that you can pull more money out of the business. You can go invest in other things. You can diversify yourself away from that small privately controlled company. And I'll remind you guys again, small privately controlled businesses are one of the riskiest asset classes there are. Point blank, period. Uh, if you head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com where you can find out more and sign up for my online course, in that program, there's an entire module on understanding risk. Because a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, are very optimistic people. They're very you know, excitable people and they just believe everyone's going to think the way they feel about things. And it, it's not true. Business is risky. Just ask anyone who's ever failed at one. 90% of startups fail. This is why I coach people to buy an existing business because they've got the biggest, most important wrinkles ironed out, which are of course, finding the customers and figuring out how to deliver a product and service or service in a profitable way. And with that, I'll say see you later uh, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Hope you're enjoying the summer. Ciao. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. 
head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, et cetera. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com, use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.